0: Every time I hear this gospel, I, uh, I'm reminded of an assignment that I had as a seminarian, a summer assignment as a seminarian. Um, if you remember Father Paul Birdsell, uh well, Paul Birdsall, he was a seminarian here a few years ago. Um, Father Paul and I, when we were in seminary together, uh, we were assigned together at a parish in Thibodeau, and our, uh, our assignment for the summer was to help out with door-to-door census work for the parish. Now... We were basically, we were dressed in, uh, in khaki pants and a, and a polo shirt, uh, and we were walking door to door in this parish, whether it was along Highway 1, wherever we were, we were walking door to door, just knocking on the door, and basically, we were trying to invite conversation, right? We were going to meet people where they were, but we were couching it, and we were doing census work, so we were trying to update our records. And then that would hopefully spark a conversation about God or about the church and be able to just kind of have a good little conversation with people on their turf on their doorstep. Typically it sounded something like this. We uh, one of our rules we did not go to the back door of people's houses even though that's the one that's usually used. It's a little bit too intimate to walk into somebody's carport and start knocking on the door. So we would always go to the front door and you had these two guys that looked like Bible salesmen that were standing next to each other. "How you doing? Nice to see you." We'd knock on the door. People would open the door. How you doing? My name, is John, my name is John David, or J.D., however I would decide to announce myself that day. And then it was, I'm Paul, and we're from the Catholic Church down the street. We're just here checking to do some census work. We wanted to know if anybody Catholic lived here. They would usually say yes, no, whatever, okay. Great, we want to update your records? We want to sign up for the parish? Uh, no, thank you. Okay, Do you have any questions about the Catholic Church, no, thank you. Great, alright, have a wonderful day, and we move on to the next house. It was always nose and nose if, if they would answer the door at all. Because there was many times that we knew people were home, we would see cars, we could hear movement, and we could see somebody peeking out of a window around the corner, but they would never come answer the door, right? There was this one time in particular that I remember, it was one of the, my favorite moments, I still cherish it, I laugh whenever I think of it. We walked up to this house, it was a newer house, on the front door there was a pane of glass, So it was a clear piece of glass. It wasn't like frosted or anything. It wasn't beveled. We walk up. We knock on the door. And we see a petrified woman from down the hallway just kind of peek her head around a staircase. Now, we've made eye contact with her. She's seen us. So there's no, like, pretending you're not home, right? I think she got curtains the next day. But anyway, she walks up, kind of like sneaking up on us. How, and she's, she's speaking to us through the glass. She just says, can I help you? Hi, I'm John, I'm John David. This is, this is Paul. Um, we're here from the Catholic Church around the street. We just wanted to come and see if there was anybody that Catholic lived here. We're updating some records. No, this is the kicker. We're Jehovah's Witness. Okay, any questions? No. Okay, have a good day. We turn around as we're on our way out. Father Paul, Paul Bird's all the time looks at me and says, "That was the most ironic thing I've ever done in my life." <laughs> and we started laughing because we said, because it, it's so—it was so weird to see the Catholics being the ones knocking on the door and the Jehovah's Witness pushing us away. But in, but but I have as I reflected on it and as I thought about it, and even today I still think about it. What are Jehovah's Witness, What are our Jehovah's Witness brothers and sisters doing whenever they're going around knocking on people's doors? They're trying to share their faith. They're trying to make sure that you know the name Jesus Christ. They're trying to make sure that you know that He loves you. And they're trying to help you find salvation. There's nothing more Catholic than doing those things. But for some reason, we always want to just hide, pretend we're not home. Lock the door, close it, be as polite as possible, and send them on their way. But we have to, I, I have to say, we can admire something very, very beautiful in our Jehovah's Witness brothers and sisters that are so bold that they will walk up and down the street in the heat of the summer, in the pouring rain, knocking on doors, making sure to try and spread the faith. Just imagine for a minute, That you go to pick just a random neighborhood and just start knocking on the door and that's what you're doing. That you're just trying to share the faith. Not trying to manipulate people to come to your church. Not trying to manipulate people to, to give money to something. But just trying to make sure that every single person that lives in that neighborhood knows Christ, loves Christ, and makes sure they know that Christ loves them. That's a very, very profound and very, very beautiful mission. The interesting thing is, it's real. It's exactly what you and I are called to as baptized Catholics. As baptized Christians. That we are called to be prophets to everyone. Now, this is the point of the homily where I might rub some people the wrong way, but bear with me for a second. Um, there There is a mindset in our culture. That we like to say, I don't want, Father, Like I, I want to make sure that I'm not pushing people away by like, sharing my faith. I want to make sure that I'm not doing that. So what we tend to do is make an excuse and kind of privatize it. I do this too. I think there are times where, as a way of not making it awkward or not being too controversial. What we do a lot of times is, is we kind of privatize our faith. You do what you want to do. That's fine. You act how you want to act. That's fine. I believe in Jesus. And we do this thing on Sunday called church. And that's good enough. What oftentimes, what oftentimes accompanies that kind of mindset is a quote that I absolutely despise. There was a, there was a, it's been attributed so often to St. Francis of Assisi. And if I can make my mission one thing in my life as a priest, it would be to make sure that everybody knows that St. Francis never said this. The quote is, and you may have heard it, preach the Gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. It's a good sentiment. It's a good idea. I know a lot of people might, might think, like, Father, why you, why you don't like that? Because the problem is, I've seen that we use that kind of mindset as an excuse to not speak. My actions are going to say anything. If we're living the gospel message so perfectly that you're walking around with the stigmata and you've got the wounds of Christ showing that that Jesus Christ died for the sins of everybody around you, you know what? You don't have to say a word. But most of us, we need to be able to proclaim our faith with our mouth as well. And that's not comfortable most of the time. It's it's the same plight of the prophets in the Old Testament. It's the same plight of the disciples that Jesus called and sends out today in the Gospel. In fact, we can look at today's first reading. We can look at Amos. And we can learn something about how it is that we're called to be prophets. Because if we just are relying on our actions to speak and not our words at all, What that can oftentimes lead to is a bunch of lukewarm Catholics. Or lukewarm Christians. Lukewarm prophets. And the devil can do a whole lot more with a lukewarm prophet than a cold one. Look at Amos today. Now if you're like me, when you get to the Old Testament, you hear a name or you hear a place that you don't know how to pronounce, what generally happens is I tune out, right? Right? When I get to these weird places and these weird names, and I don't really know what's going on, I, a lot of times I just kind of unplug and tune out from it. But today, when we look at Amos, let's get an idea of who Amos is. Amos is a prophet. He's from the. So, Israel, right? The, 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 the nation, the, the place of Israel, the promised land of Israel, was one single kingdom at one time. At one point, there is a split. So now you have a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And the thing is is that the northerners and the southerners, they do things a little bit differently. They act a little bit differently, they have their own ways of worshiping, and there's a little bit of a rivalry between the northern and the southern kingdoms. Well Amos is from the southern kingdom, and Amos is sent by God to go to the northern kingdom, go to an uncomfortable place, go into an unfamiliar place, and he wants him to go and proclaim. A message on behalf of God. And what does he say? He says, I want you to go and proclaim a message of repentance. I want you to go and call people to repentance. To come back to the worship that I have established. Come back to the faith that I have established. So Amos, an outsider from the south, goes to the north and gives a very, very unpopular message to the people in the north. And to kick it off, and just as the kicker, and just to kind of put the icing on the top, Amos, his background, he is a shepherd and a dresser of sycamores, as we hear in our first reading. Meaning he is a farmer and a shepherd. He is nothing special. But this man, who is nothing special, he's an outsider, is called to go to an unfamiliar and uncomfortable territory to give an unpopular message, and he's utterly unqualified. Now, that might seem, okay, Father, that's great. I think a lot of times when God asks us to share our faith, to spread our faith, what ends up happening is we can fall into those uns. For example, the uncomfortable territory that God might be calling us to go to might not be those people up north in Thibodeau. Right? Might not be those people up north in Alexandria or those people up north, whatever place you want to point to. The uncomfortable territory might be just down the hall from us. Might be our kids, grandkids, spouse. That might be who God is calling us to proclaim the faith to. That might be who God is asking us to invite, to talk to, to call to repentance, to call to conversion. That might be the person. And quite honestly, it's a, it's a very uncomfortable thing when God calls us to go to those who are closest to us. I remember as a, as a high school and college student, I used to love like doing retreats and giving talks and things like that. And I used to be able to do it, and whenever it was borderline strangers in front of me, it was fine, there was no problem. One time I gave a talk and my parents showed up, and I froze. Because all of a sudden now, I'm talking to someone who knows me. I'm so, talking to someone who recognizes my weakness. I'm talking to someone who knows all the baggage in the background to me. And I can make that talk, I can make that message, A lot more uncomfortable who are you to tell me what to do look what you do the second thing and we hear it in our gospel we hear it in our first reading it's so often what Jesus calls what Jesus does when he's out preaching one of the first words out of his mouth a lot of times is repent Jesus calls, uses an unpopular message. Amos is saying an unpopular message to the point they're trying to kick him out. Jesus tells his disciples to go out and to give an unpopular message. Go out and repent. Call, them, call people to repentance. Now, we never call to re- Side note, we never call someone to repentance if we don't first love them. But so often, we as Catholics, out of a fear of, of, of offending or a desire to want to be polite or whatever reason, we'll sit back and say, "Oh, look, it's fine. That's going to be okay." So often, you look at our world around us, and we allow thing we allow the culture to dictate what should be our role. We let things slide. We let the moral codes and the moral standards of our life just kind of erode away. Because we we want to be polite. And a message that we might have just might be a little unpopular. And then finally, the third thing. Is that, Father, like all that sounds great. Like, I get what you're saying about, like, you know, talking to people that might be uncomfortable and giving a message that might be unpopular and all. But, like, you're talking about somebody else. I can't do that. I can't do that. We might ultimately feel completely and totally unqualified. Amos, I'm a farmer and I'm a shepherd. I'm nothing special. Father, I'm just a, I'm I'm a, I'm a humble person from Gaines. Like, what what, what would God really be calling me to do? I'm from Raceland, That, that thriving metropolis, right? What could God possibly be calling me to do? Well, if we look at, if if we look at this, we see it in the Old Testament that God chooses the people that seem unqualified. To, to proclaim his message. In the New Testament, the disciples that Jesus sends out, I've talked about this before, but out of the 12 disciples, we know the careers of a handful of them. Four of them were fishermen. They weren't educated. One of them was a crooked tax collector. He was a, he was a bad IRS agent. One, one was known as a zealot, which is just a fancy way of saying that he was part of a terrorist organization, and one embezzled money and ended up betraying the Son of God if Jesus Christ could take those seven plus five and build a church that, we still, that that still stands today, then imagine what He can do with us. Imagine the ways in which He would want to use us to go out and to proclaim His message. You see, the beautiful thing is, despite how... Uh, unqualified we might feel, or despite how unpopular the message might be, or despite how uh, uncomfortable the the, the territory might be that we're called to go and proclaim the faith, the beautiful thing is, is that God has given us, by virtue of our baptism, His grace. He's given us His Holy Spirit. God's life lives within me and you. Because we were baptized as priest, prophet, and king. That by virtue of our baptism, we have been given the Holy Spirit, which is meant to send us out. At confirmation, if you've received that sacrament, that that grace has now been matured, and it is no longer just a gift, but it is a command to go out. To be a person of the Word. To be able to speak the truths of our faith. Think about it this way for a moment. If I have a spouse and I say, I love her, I love her, I love her, but I never talk to her or about her, do I really love her? If you have kids and you love your kid, but you never talk to them or about them, what does that love look like? In the same way, God is calling us to talk to Him and about Him. And God's grace is sufficient for us to fulfill the mission He is sending us out on. So today, when we come to Mass, we come to receive this grace, to be strengthened again, and then, yes, again, to be sent out to speak. To be sent out to be God's witnesses, despite how uncomfortable the territory might be, despite how unpopular the message might seem, and despite how, much, how unqualified we might feel. God gives us the grace to go forth and to be His voice. To be His prophet. And to speak His word. Today, may we receive God's grace and always, always live as His prophets to the world that is starving for His message.